Hello, I'm uh, Gavin. I'm a professor of neurology at Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry. And I've been asked by a person with multiple sclerosis uh, two questions. Um, firstly, this particular individual who is well controlled in inverted commas uh, on ocrelizumab uh, in that she's having no MRI activity uh, feels that her MS is getting worse. Uh, and she thinks she might have smoldering uh, multiple sclerosis and she wants to know if this concept uh, is accepted by the uh, general uh, MS community. The other issue is that she's been having some flares or relapses uh, but because the MRI shows no new lesions her neurologist is reluctant to label these uh, as relapses. So the first question about smoldering disease, yes, so the term smoldering MS really refers to what the might what the pathologists see under the microscope. They see a, a lesion that is inflamed with uh, uh, evidence of damage on the outside with no uh, uh, evidence of major T and B cell infiltration. And these are so-called chronic active lesions that have been called smoldering lesions. I like the term smoldering because it means that something's happening um, despite being no obvious flames. So we're not seeing any new lesions or MRI activity, but there's clearly something happening uh, at a microscopic level, and that's what smoldering disease occurs. Um, I think the MS community accepts this because we all see people that are not relapsing with quiet MRI scans, no new lesions, who are getting worse. Uh, and we either called that in the past chronic progressive disease. Nowadays, a lot of people refer to it as non-relapsing progressive disease or inactive progression or inactive worsening. Other terms that have just emerged are progression independent of relapse activity or PIRA uh, and some people like the term hidden or silent uh, progression. I don't uh, really care what it gets referred to, I just hope we all get behind the concept that there is a worsening MS that is completely independent of relapses uh, and focal MRI activity. I actually think this is the real MS and the reason why I say that even before people have attacks when they have asymptomatic multiple sclerosis, in other words their uh, MRI shows lesions uh, and evidence that they have MS and they haven't had a clinical attack we can see worsening occurring either by stressing the uh, neurological system. Uh, there's a glove study where you put on this very very high-tech glove that measures hand activity and you can actually show worsening of hand activity in people with radiologically isolated syndrome or asymptomatic MS before they have their first attack. Also there is uh, cognitive impairment in about a quarter of people with asymptomatic MS and we can actually show progressive brain volume loss that is accelerated over and above what you'd expect for age in this population of patients. And also we get these lesions that are called slowly expanding lesions and we think these are the equivalent of the so-called chronic active or smoldering lesions that are described under the microscope are noted in people with asymptomatic uh, MS or radiologically isolated syndrome. So all the hallmarks of the pathology occur very, very early. Another uh, interesting observation that was presented at our latest ECTRIMS meeting from the Barcelona group that even in people with clinically isolated syndrome, their first attack uh, about a third of them, 30% of them, went on to have a worsening of their disability um, uh, in two to, year, two to three years of follow-up despite not having ongoing relapse activity. 
So this would suggest that uh, smoldering MS is there from the very beginning. And I actually think it is the disease. Um, and my personal opinion is the relapses or the focal MRI activity, the new lesions we see on MRI scan, are the immune system's response to what's causing the disease. Uh, and even if you stop the immune system's response to what's causing the disease, the disease continues to grumble on, uh, and that's what we call smoldering disease. So to my answer to this particular individual, yes, smoldering MS uh, does happen. Now, the next thing she's having a problem with is that she's getting these small relapses. Uh, and because her MRI doesn't show new lesions, uh, her neurologist is saying that she doesn't have relapses. Um, and I think this is driven by our way of thinking about multiple sclerosis as being a radiological or a clinical disease. And we define it as being relapses or MRI activity. And I think that's completely wrong. Um, there's no doubt that MS is, in my opinion, a biological disease. It happens at the microscopic tissue level. And we know that if you uh, look under the microscope, there are many, many more lesions than you see on MRI scan. So for, just to give you an example, for every clinical attack, uh, 10 or more lesions can come on MRI scan. And for those 10 or more lesions that come on an MRI scan, if you go under the microscope, there's going to be 25 to 30 lesions coming and going at a microscopic level that you're not detecting on MRI. And the reason why we don't detect them on MRI is because the current MRI scan protocols we use don't really pick up activity in the so-called gray matter. And that's on the surface of the brain and deep down in the middle of the brain. Uh, it's got to do with the fact that these lesions are difficult to see. So more than 50% of the MS pathology actually is in gray matter. So we're not detecting at least half of the activity in those areas. And even in the white matter, where we can detect these lesions on MRI, the MRI resolution is limited to about two, three to four millimeters. So any lesions smaller than that, we won't detect. And I have a large collection of people who've had very obvious relapses. There's a thing called an internuclear ophthalmoplegia where you develop double vision, and there's no way people can put that on. Okay, uh, And when you look at the MRI scans, you can't see a lesion. And the reason is you, you, uh, a lesion that's a millimeter, even smaller, can affect that particular neuronal pathway to cause an INO. So yes, you can have relapses without MRI activity. And I've got a collection of patients now where the MRIs are completely quiet compared to the previous one. And we actually can detect damage by measuring neurofilament levels. That's the protein released when you damage nerve fibers. And we can and increase levels indicate that there's ongoing damage. And I call this a biochemical relapse. So we've got a large number of people, we've got biochemical relapses. There's obvious damage, but the MRI scans don't show it. So my advice to you is you should challenge your healthcare professionals when they say to you, you can't have can't have a relapse because your MRI hasn't shown new lesions. That is telling, well, it's telling me that they don't really understand the pathology of the disease. Uh, and you should probably go back to them and just say, yes, I can have a relapse if the lesion's potentially in the gray matter, uh, or if the lesion is occurring at a, a tiny level that's not detected by MRI scans. Um, in this particular uh, newsletter, I have got a video that's on YouTube just showing you what an INO looks like. I've also put in a uh, picture uh, or illustration just showing you how widespread the gray matter pathology is. Um, the gray matter pathology is colored orange, all these lesions that are not 
will, will not be detected on MRI. And also in the deep uh, gray matter in this particular picture, you'll see these little blue dots just showing you how many MS lesions there are. Um, I've also put up a little figure um, explaining to you what I call the MS endophenotype. So the term endophenotype is not just looking at the disease from a clinical perspective or a MRI perspective, but trying to look at the disease holistically from a pathology uh, perspective as well. And I uh, um, try and give you three classification systems of MS. The first one is from a patient or a clinical perspective where we define the disease as having to be symptomatic. So you can't make a diagnosis of asymptomatic MS. And then obviously the payers, the people who pay for the disease-modifying therapy, only want people to have definite disease and particularly active disease. And they ignore uh, people who haven't got a diagnosis of MS uh, or the so-called prodromal or asymptomatic uh, MS. And then from a research perspective, um, my personal opinion is there uh, is a, there's a pre-disease space where people are at risk of getting the disease and then they develop a disease state regardless of whether or not they have clinical uh, signs or not. So in other words, this incorporates the so-called asymptomatic and prodromal phase of the disease before people have any uh, suggestion that they have any problems with their nervous system. And this, to me, is a uh, biological definition of the disease. And if you apply philosophical principles in terms of um, making the case, there is no doubt that how we define diseases, um, uh, MS should be defined biologically using um, you know, certain pathological features. I know this is a little bit complicated for a, uh, uh, an MS Alpha newsletter that's meant to be targeting um, people with the disease, but I think if you begin to understand the principles about how we define disease, you'll, you'll begin to understand why we need to move towards a biological definition of this disease. The sooner we make the diagnosis, the sooner we can treat the disease, the sooner we can prevent damage, the, and the best, better we protect the brain and spinal cord, the more likely you are to remain well and fully functional, and it delays the development of severe um, disability uh, too much later in life or maybe prevents it completely and you know our therapeutic aim in multiple sclerosis is to try and get people to old age with as healthy a brain and spinal cord as possible and you need a healthy brain and spinal cord because age itself is a neurodegenerative process maybe even a disease aging but you know what protects you when you get old from so-called age-related cognitive problems and failing nervous system is how much reserve you have, how healthy your brain and spinal cord is. And so that's another reason why people with multiple sclerosis shouldn't just think about their disease being treated with MS disease modifying treatments. They should be doing everything in their power, okay, or everything they can do uh, to uh, promote or protect their brain. And this is why we promote this concept of brain health and how you uh, do this later on in life. So um, um, I hope you found this newsletter uh, and this podcast helpful. Uh, please ask questions if you're unsure about anything, and I'll try and answer them.